This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Radio Live, broadcasting live from the Church of St. Michael in Pine Island, Minnesota. This is Father Randall Kazel. Thank you for being with us here this morning on September 20th. Great to have the show here uh, at St. Michael. We have special guests here next, Rob and Susan Bastian. They're here to talk with us about uh, pro-life and the pro-life movement, which they've been a part of for many, many years. And I mentioned uh, the 40 Days for Life. Now, Rob and Susan do not represent 40 Days for Life, but they participated in 40 Days for Life's event. Uh, if you're interested in 40 Days for Life, the the days for that it starts on September 22nd, and it goes through October 31st. I encourage you to be involved if there's a local group there. Uh, but we also want to talk to Rob and Susan. Welcome to be with us, Rob and Susan. Thanks for having us, Father. Great to have you here. And can you tell us a bit about yourself and what sort of work you have been doing in the pro-life movement? Uh, I'll get started. We were actually, uh, some of our background, we have family of, as we were driving here, we were trying to decide how many kids because, you know, the thing that we forget, it's so easy to say, they only think about the ones that survive and make it through. But we have right now nine living children and we have... At least do we know that uh, one that died shortly after birth and then another one that died of miscarriage. So Mm -hmm. as far as we know, we have 11. We may have more. You never know. Praise Uh, God. So that's good. Uh, Six of those children are adopted. We've adopted over um, quite a few years. We adopted three uh, kind of in succession. And then we had a break and adopted two more. And then we choke a little bit that, you know, they talk about unplanned pregnancies we had an unplanned adoption is the last two, the two that we adopted were siblings and then a few years later they contacted us to say they had a sister so then we adopted mm-hmm. her as well so it's been quite a quite a road yeah you have you've had many beautiful blessings and challenges along the way so our lord gives the consolation with the cross so you've, you've been very blessed. I know that from knowing you. Uh, just for our listeners out there, Rob and Susan are parishioners here at St. Michael's. So we're very blessed to have your family here and very involved. Rob is a trustee, and uh, we were just reminiscing before we came back on the, the great festival. So we had a great week with all the many families. So, yes. But, uh, Susan, maybe you can tell us a bit about some of your own activities in the, the pro-life movement and what sort of things that have caught your interest to be involved. Um, primarily, our involvement direct involvement, you know, beyond the interest initially in the pro-life movement, really started with our son Jacob, who um, is one of those children who's no longer with us. He's the one that my husband referred to that died shortly after he was born. But 21 years ago right now, we were anticipating Jacob's birth, but we knew midway through the pregnancy that his prognosis was... um, it wasn't likely to be a good outcome. He had a heart defect, and through all of the testing, we discovered that that heart defect also impacted his lungs. So we knew that we had been given a blessing, but also um, some suffering in walking Jacob's path into life and then into life everlasting. When um, Jacob was born, um, they confirmed that his prognosis was pretty dim, and probably our biggest blessing in that was that our 
parish priest at the time was able to make a very quick drive from Dodge Center, Minnesota and perform an emergency baptism. And Jacob ended up dying um, six hours later. So while that was an incredibly hard path to walk, it's also become one of our greatest blessings in life now. And his life and our experience with his life, especially with a pregnancy that has a very poor prognosis, kind of became the impetus for us to become involved in the pro-life movement and to speak about the sanctity of life from birth through natural death and how we might be asked to act upon that in our lifetime. So that's how we ended up getting initially involved, and we like to use his story to outreach to others in similar situations or to talk about um, the beauty that can come in, in walking a, a trial in life that God puts in front of you. Wow, thank you, Susan. Thank you for sharing with that, and thank God for uh, that little life that has had such a big impact. Uh, can you share a little bit more about some of the fruit that's come from the influence of Jacob and those graces? What sort of things have you been involved with in supporting the pro-life cause to teach people about the sanctity of life? Uh, a little bit more on, on Jacob and because of a personal story. On the one, we look to say, uh, as a Catholic, to know because he was baptized shortly after, you know, shortly and he died, that he is a saint now. And to have a saint in heaven, that's... Uh, a source of grace that I don't know if we could have continued through. I mean, having the chance to not just, you know, to talk with your, we talk, pray with him like we would any of our other children. So that's that's very enlightening. I look to some of the tough times we've had as a family without Jacob there interceding for us. So it may have been a whole different answer with that. Uh, what probably got us more, I mean, when I was growing up, I remember, you know, it was early after the Roe versus Wade aspect of it, and my mom getting involved with the pro-life movement at that time was very, very young. I mean, that's what was going on, and going to some of those meetings with her and trying to figure out, well, what, what are they talking about? And they they would be kind of like it is now, you know, they wouldn't talk directly because they worry about kids. Oh, what do you mean? You're going to kill kill a baby in the womb. What does that mean? And so... I think one of the things we learn over time, I think as we're learning as a society, is you just have to be more truthful and honest about it. Mm-hmm. You are killing a child in yes. the womb. It's not the, not the mother's body. There's two bodies there. You're making the choice the mother can do what she wants with that other body, which is just, if you just look at it from a logical, rational perspective, it's just not there. So I think being more outgoing on that is a... It's, what's helping society now just be more honest with things uh with jacob it was a matter of we knew that there was uh if you if you've had children you know about the the magic 20 week ultrasound where you go in and make sure everything's all right and it was at the 20 week ultrasound that they found the heart problem and I, and it was it was shocking as a man watching that because at that time um, i was in with susan we were there did the 20-week ultrasound, the technician, you know, kind of walks out, doesn't say anything, comes back, you know, something's up, comes back. And when we went back to the wait, to the room to talk with the doctor and the nurse, I ceased to exist at that moment. They didn't even look at me. They didn't say anything to me. It was like I wasn't there. And it was all about Susan, talking to Susan to say, well, you know, this is a difficult situation. You know, you have choices, you have options. And it shocked me. I mean, even when I would speak up, they would ignore me and just talk only to her. So mm. it was a matter of 
whole society is just twisted in that regard. That at that moment, I wasn't there anymore, which at least figure, while I was there physically, I wasn't there anymore. So that really hit home to us that this is just, it isn't just wrong. There's a palpable yeah. evil in all of yeah. this. So it's as if they decided to ignore you as the father and in a sense ignoring fatherhood in general. Absolutely, yes. And not only that, we went into the ultrasound to take a look at our baby, and we came back to waiting rooms to talk about the pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So they immediately began to dehumanize our son, and as if that would make it more palpable for us to be able to destroy his life. Mm-hmm. So as Catholics who know and believe otherwise, it made a difficult situation even harder and and actually a little bit infuriating that we are expressing our desire to do what we can for our son and at the same time we're hearing this messaging that his life is no longer valuable Hmm. yes you give a striking testimony on the, the not only the dignity of human life but the the gift of being a mother and a father and you're also shedding light on the logic that wants to steal away the meaning of your life. And right. so as you've, have you, I know you've thought about this a lot, but as you've thought about it, and can you articulate a little more about, about that and that what that's meant the, uh, that you see in the culture, the, the, the attack upon family life, uh, motherhood, fatherhood, uh, and the, the dignity of the person? Uh, what, what kind of thoughts do you have more on that? Uh, you see the, the degeneration that happens when you start to dehumanize people and it, it, through all of history it's been that way if you have an enemy when you start to dehumanize them then that gives you the first step into destroying them or treating them as second-class citizens and killing them whatever you see it through all of history they always talk about you know world war ii and jews which is very you know that was one of those steps but you look at it right now and basic basically unborn babies are that way as well they're just sort of commodities and you see it uh even more and more as the baby isn't is more like you know a purse or something else. Do I want one or not want one? And you see those things happening. And the most egregious you see is it's gotten kind of a logical consequence when you start to do this. Is it dehumanizes the man and woman, the father and the mother? What are they? What's their term now? Birthing people. Mm-hmm. Be now, how disgusting is that? Be to, to take the ultimate level, the motherhood, the top job you can have in this whole world, mm-hmm. <laughs> giving yeah. life. Carrying life along and degrading it to that point, it's the logical outcome of it, but it, it, it's not surprising that we're in this state that we're in, sadly. And it, it has to turn around, and you wonder, it may not turn around, humanly speaking, that's why divine assistance is the only way this is ever going to turn around. Yes, as I, we, we do, we we do, and we will need special graces in the human family because of the pervasiveness of this logic, and certainly it's it's a demonic origin. This idea of the attack, uh, I, I like how you phrase that. This the singular hope of the human family is motherhood, and that and then fatherhood with motherhood become the foundation of hope into the future, and this is the way God has designed it. Fundamentally, the logic is an attack upon God himself. It's upon his design, his will, and the holiness that we have in being with God. Uh, Robin Susan, we're going to go to a break here, and we're going to come back and pick up on this level. Father Randall Kiesel from the Church of St. Michael in Pine Island, Minnesota, with Rob and Susan Beshin on being pro-life. Stay with us on Real Presence Radio Live. 
This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, the Director of Advancements for Real Presence Radio with today's Plan Giving Minute. Philanthropy is an expression of your generosity with the understanding that your gift to the church will make a difference. There are many ways in which you can make a gift to further God's work. Most of us are familiar with cash gifts we give regularly to Real Presence Radio. However, another way of contributing is through plan giving, which may allow you to give more than you've ever dreamed possible. The goal of plan giving is to help you plan your estate and charitable giving in a way that benefits you, your family, and our mission. There are several ways you can make these planned gifts and enjoy tax and income benefits. For more information, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. I guess my favorite part of listening to Catholic radio is listening to people like Dan, converts that I'm just always so amazed. I'm thinking I need to be stronger in my faith because of them, because they seem to know more than I do about my own faith that I grew up with, I was born with. I'm one of the Catholics that never thought of not being a Catholic. I always think of some of the parables that the person that was always good or whatever, but not that I was always good, (laughs) isn't necessarily the one that gets taken care of, you know? It's the guy that strayed a lot and came back. And I think of that every time the prodigal son is is read because I can identify with that in different levels on both sides. I, I think that's what I one of the things I enjoy most and listening to uh, the answers, Catholic answers, because I always want to know more about my faith. I, I wish I did know more. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back to Real Presence Radio Live. You're with Father Randall Kazel here at the Church of St. Michael in Pine Island, Minnesota. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we have with us special guests Rob and Susan Bastian. They're talking about being involved in the pro-life movement and being aware of the ideas that are around us that degrade and dehumanize uh, mothers and fathers and especially unborn children. And so, Susan, you're giving us great testimony on your son, Jacob, and the resulting graces and thoughts and actions that you've had. And so what has happened in your life and being involved in pro-life with Jacob and then after this experience with Jacob? Right. Um, Well, Jacob kind of led me to be a little bit more active in the pro-life movement. After he passed away, we had um, people who had donated money for memorials, and we donated some of that money to pro-life across America. Some of the listeners might be aware that they are referred to as the billboard people. Mm -hmm. So they put up across the nation billboards that are positive and uplifting and promoting life, talking about heartbeat, um, fingers, toes, fingerprints. Um, In getting involved with Marianne Koharski with Pro-Life Across America, she encouraged me to start speaking and using Jacob's story as a testimony. So that was really how I got involved to 
spread awareness about the sanctity of life. And in that, I would come across with come across people who are very supportive. They would share similar stories that they had with either um, pregnancy losses or loss of an infant or a newborn. But then I also ran across people who were very conflicted in their convictions and they felt like there should be a reason and exceptions for women to be able to have abortions and I'd like to be able to use Jacob as an example to say yes this was a difficult pregnancy this was a child with a poor prognosis we were encouraged to to terminate him to to kill him in the womb and that there can be very beautiful graces that come with walking through that journey um, others would talk about, but what about all those kids who are waiting for adoption? Well, lucky for us, um, <laughs> we had an answer for that one, too. We adopted three children through private adoption. Then we went ahead and adopted um, children from the foster care system. Then there were those who said, but, you know, I'm just not that person. I, I can't do that. But I would challenge anyone that they can be um, an encouragement to others who might choose that path if they can't do those things themselves. Some might be able to donate monetarily to the causes that are pro-life. They can do it through prayer. They can do it just through their actions and interactions with others on a daily basis to uh, be a living testimony that life is precious and we should all do something to encourage others along those lines. Mm-hmm. Very good, Susan. That's inspiring for us to hear your testimony and how this grace has developed. And shifting over to you, Rob, what sort of things have happened with you uh, that have been the fruit of your son, Jacob? Um, Being involved, as Susan has has talked about it, it it really has. uh, One thing you touch on related to the faith is that when we have those trials and sufferings, and you talk about that during during homilies at at Mass, they can either... (laughs) It frankly comes down to they can either destroy you or they can make you better. And when we look back at our times, or I look back at my times, some of what were the most difficult things, the most challenging aspects, and certainly Jacob was one of those, you know, turned out to be some of our greatest blessings. So you can use those trials that you have during life and, uh, you know, let them tear you down or you know over time you can see how that brings you back and and honestly that's why i'm so grateful for the faith is that it has that option you know that it does that 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 suffering has purpose that there is reason for that and not only will god give you graces for that those graces provide fruits and those fruits you know make this life even more enjoyable than it was before so those those are the big things um I want to talk about something that happened to us recently that was just a reminder. And by the way, you know, <laughs> we'll, hopefully we'll talk a little bit about Planned Parenthood or you know, the abortuaries that, that they have. But uh, someone that we knew uh, shared his story. This is a man shared his story from long ago. Uh, when he was younger, he and this girl had, you know, they, they ended up having, conceiving a child. And at that time, he was very hedonistic, didn't want to do anything. And so he just wanted to, you know, get rid of the problem as well. And talking about going through that and his, he was older than 18 at the time, but she was not. She was 17 at the time. 
And so he was just about, uh, you know, get this, get this over with, get this problem done with. And so how did they make that happen? Because at 17, you know, her mom had to, her parents had to basically sign to do that. But she didn't want her mom to know. So he told this long story about what they went through that Planned Parenthood provided them the ability so that they could actually go up what we call the cities, Minneapolis, mm-hmm. and have an abortion up there, even though she was 17, never told her mom anything about it. Mm. And it was all about how Planned Parenthood actually works with, in this case, to have this option of where the state can take custody for one day hmm. so that they can sign off on the abortion, have that, and come back. And he said he didn't know any of these things. Well, they had to kill the child, came back, and as he was leaving the abortion, he said there was, you know, there was people pro-lifers standing outside as usual and somebody gave him a pamphlet and he threw it in the car and he didn't think anything came back and that night after dropped her off and said she was just kind of like she was dead to the world right to what happened to the mother and when you kill your child i'm sure it's devastating and he picked up one of these pamphlets just kind of idly and he read through it and he said that was the first time anybody ever told him the truth about what had just happened mm-hmm. and he he was so crushed at that moment that he considered killing himself. He just thought, life is over for me. What did I just do? I killed my child. And to this day, after that was the turning point for him. He turned back to the faith. He became stronger about it. But it takes those struggles. And in his case, as a father, when they say, well, this is a woman's decision, that scarred him for life. He still talks about it, and he tears up when he talks about, you know, I killed my child. And so it isn't just the mother, and back to our thing, mother Mm -hmm. and father they're both involved, and our children are as much I, my, as Susan's. We, we are together on this, and we have to have that strength. And I think overall, just the fact of we have to struggle, we have to bring that back to the, to the society. We have to be more vocal about it. Man, I know some people say that, oh, you shouldn't talk so much, you know, don't make it so graphic. I think we do. We have to be very clear that you're killing children. This needs to stop. Yeah, and it, I, I think, Rob, it's well said, because that is the only way through the, the degree of darkness. Because it, I think that what's astonishing is, is that, uh, in, in ages past, maybe not in the too distant past, how people knew and loved children, maybe taken for granted. Every child is to come into this world. Every child has a right to life. Right. And, and the, the degree of darkness that has come up because of the acceptance of contraception and the, the broad acceptance uh, of abortion even. And what I mean by that is is that uh, I, I go to the abortion clinic regularly. You know that. I, even every Friday afternoon I go to uh, the, the place in uh, St. Paul to pray the rosary at 3 o'clock. But the, but the idea is, is that the, the degree of darkness that why are there not thousands of people here? Right. Why are there not enough people to say, this just shouldn't exist in our community. There should not be this option uh, going on that someone can say, I don't want this child. The child is a problem. Mm-hmm. The, it's, a, it's a terrible logic. It's a, it's a tragic logic that has to be rejected. And in order for us to heal as a human family, and then in order for us to be true Christians, that we give witness to the truth. So it's well said. Um, I, I think that's an important point, Father, that I've noticed in my relationships with friends and family who believe Planned Parenthood gives some vital women's services. So that can be an inhibitor to people wanting to go outside the clinics and pray. What if my friends see me? What if my family sees me? And I just encourage people that while it might seem uncomfortable that first time, 
you get a lot of grace and strength and I think um, motivation to go back and talk to those friends and family and just educate them about what are they really supporting when they're supporting this organization. It's mm-hmm. not just about women's health. They are funded primarily by abortions, but they are also um, involved now in activities with with youth to supply them with hormone blockers and hormone replacement therapy. And what, what does that have to do truly with essential women's health services? So as you become more familiar with what's going on behind the doors, so to speak, and can just talk in a non-confrontational way to those colleagues or acquaintances of yours about what's really happening there, maybe it will change their hearts a little bit. Exactly. The light come into the mind to see the meaning of life is given by God, and it's good to be loved, honored, nourished, protected in all its stages. That's what we are called to be about. And that's the truth of the witness, because when we don't have the fullness of the truth, well then we're going to be entering into the darkness and then the degradation or dehumanizing of people begins to happen because right. then it's not a person to love. So, um, so Rob, what else can you tell us about things that you've been involved with and in the fruit of the pro-life movement or making fruit in the pro-life movement? Well, before we run out of time, I want to remind folks we are involved well, Knights of Columbus. I became involved after started here at the church and father you're very much a supporter of that but the knights of columbus people may not know one of their major uh, pushes that they do is provide ultrasounds you know, they take a lot of the money that they raise and buy ultrasounds for pregnancy centers around and there's nothing like you know that awareness that that truth that comes out you know showing a mother see your baby's moving here or mm-hmm. they could see what's happening especially you know i hearken back to that guy i was talking about that for whatever reason, it never crossed his mind what it was. They kept yes. telling him blob of tissue. So the Knights do ultrasounds, and I can't express that enough. We've, at least in the couple of years we've been here, we bought two ultrasounds, you know, helped with, for sure, you know, bought one and helped with another one. So Knights is, is great for that. We also, I would say, you know, we, we got involved with the yearly rosary rally crusades in front of Planned Parenthood. And to Susan's point, what helps is the numbers. I mean, yes. If you're there and you're you know, with three or four others, for a couple of years it was just our family doing it. I and mean, you get a lot of the one-finger mm-hmm. salutes as they go by. You know, that's, that's a challenge. But when last year, because of organization, we had you know, two priests and dozens and dozens of people. It was wonderful. I would I'd invite people, just go to these. You know, stand in the back if you need to. But the volume, the people really energize That's it right. as well. Yeah, ours has grown each year that we've had it. And I encourage you to be involved. And we have the pro-life effort here uh, this fall. And let's work to build up life. Let's join together. Rob and Susan, thank you for being with us this morning. Thank you for your witness and testimony and for all that you do. Uh, please stay with us here on Real Presence Radio. We'll be right back with Father Chris Alar from the National Shrine of Divine Mercy in Stockbridge, Massachusetts. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 